0: Hello world, I'm Roger Corville, and this is For the Hope's Daily Audio Bible where we read through the scriptures conversationally, talk about the truth claims of Christianity, and learn to fall more in love with Jesus and the people in his world. You ready? Let's roll. Welcome. When was the last time your day-to-day language included the word righteousness? <laughs> yeah, me neither, but we should. Hey, hopeful, happy Thursday, and welcome to For the Hopes Daily Audio Bible, which is our journey together where we commit together to reading through every word of God's revelation of Himself Monday through Saturday, little reflection on Sunday. But today, in our New Testament segment, we kick off the book of Romans, in which the theme of righteousness plays rather prominently. So if it's a big deal to Paul, and in this case, that's arguably the deepest presentation of the gospel in the whole Bible, meaning the book of Romans. If it's a big deal to Paul, it's a big deal to God, and it should be a big deal to us. So like we do sometimes, my friends, we're going to tackle Romans chapter one in a couple different chunks just to highlight this. Now notice how it kicks off making the case that the gospel is the revelation of the righteousness of God. Romans chapter 1. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called as an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, who was a descendant of David according to the flesh and was appointed to be the powerful Son of God according to the Spirit of holiness by the resurrection of the dead. Through him we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedient of faith for the sake of his name among all the Gentiles, including you, who are also called by Jesus Christ. To all who are in Rome, loved by God, called as saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because the news of your faith is being reported in all the world. God is my witness whom I serve with my spirit in telling the good news about his son that I constantly mention you always asking in my prayers that if it is somehow in God's will I may now at last succeed in coming to you. For I want very much to see you, so that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you, that is, to be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. Now, I don't want you to be unaware, brothers and sisters, that I often planned to come to you, but was prevented until now, in order that I might have a fruitful ministry among you, just as I have had among the rest of the Gentiles." I am obligated both to Greeks and barbarians, both to the wise and the foolish. So I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew and also to the Greek. For in it, here we go, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. And that, my friends, gets us up through verse 17. Did you catch that? The gospel, the good news, is first because God is righteous. Importantly, let's make sure we even know what that even is right righteousness is the adherence to what is required according to a standard a status of legal rectitude that satisfies the moral requirements of god's character so let's keep that in mind as we catch this next section that will then kind of bleed in tomorrow into tomorrow because paul goes on to make the point that god's righteousness is revealed in catch this Revealed in his wrath against sinners. And the point is first made about Gentiles and then Jews and then all people. And today we just hear about the Gentiles part, right? God's righteousness revealed as wrath. There's a crazy idea. Revealed as wrath against the Gentiles. But keep this in context, right? This is the beginning of the whole book, which is his exposition and defense of the gospel in sum for all people. Romans chapter 1, picking up in verse 18. For God's wrath is revealed from heaven against all godlessness and unrighteousness of people who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. Since what can be known about God is evident among them because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, that is, his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly seen since the creation of the world, being understood through what he has made. As a result, people are without excuse. For though they knew God, they did not glorify him as God or show gratitude. Instead, their thinking became worthless and their senseless hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and four-footed animals and reptiles. Therefore, God delivered them over. Catch that phrase. We hear it three times in the book of Romans, uh, in Romans 1. Therefore, God delivered them over in the desires of their hearts to sexual impurity so that their bodies were degraded among themselves. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshipped and served what has been created instead of the Creator, who is praised forever. Amen. For this reason, God delivered them over to disgraceful passions. Their women exchanged natural sexual relations for unnatural ones, the men, in the same way, also left natural relations with women and were inflamed in their lust for one, for one another. Men committed shameless acts with men and received in their own persons the appropriate penalty of their error. And because they did not think it worthwhile to acknowledge God, here's number three, here we go, and because they did not think it worthwhile to acknowledge God, God delivered them over to a corrupt mind so that they do what is not right. They are filled with all unrighteousness, evil, and greed, and wickedness. They are full of envy, murder, quarrels, deceit, and malice. They are gossips, slanderers, God-haters, arrogant, proud, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, senseless, untrustworthy, unloving, and unmerciful. Although they know God's just sentence, I'm going to say that again, I'm going to paraphrase it, although they know God's perfectly fair sentence, that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but even applaud others who practice them. And that is Romans chapter (laughs) 1. I'm always amused. Here's all this stuff, oh, gossips and slanderers and God-haters and proud, boastful, and disobedient to parents. I'm just going to let that sink in. But my friends, if we just look around the world today, we not only see sin, but they not only do them, but even applaud others who practice them. My friends, beware of a world that celebrates sin. My friends, don't miss this. God would not be righteous if he didn't deal with sin, injustice, rebellion, rejection of his moral standard, and the whole world is culpable. But what about Jesus? My friends, don't miss today's always be ready segment, right? This is important for your peace and readiness, not just outside the church, but inside as well. Now, ironically, we turn to as we turn to the Old Testament, here's a factoid. The name Paul who wrote the book of Romans, means humble. But remember his name was originally Saul, meaning the one asked for. And in the Old Testament book of Samuel, despite the Lord's provision, Israel demands a king like all the other nations. And what do they get? The one asked for. 1 Samuel chapter 8. When Samuel grew old, he appointed his sons as judges over Israel. His firstborn son's name was Joel and his second second was Abijah. They were judges in Beersheba. However, his sons did not walk in his ways. They turned toward dishonest profit, took bribes, and perverted justice. So all the elders of Israel gathered together and went to Samuel at Ramah. They said to him, Look, you're old and your sons do not walk in your ways. Therefore, appoint a king to judge us the same as all the other nations have. And when they said, Give us a king to judge us, Samuel considered their demand wrong. So he prayed to the Lord. Remember, my friends, if you didn't catch that Always Be Ready segment a couple of days ago, why? Because God said, I'm your king but they are rejecting, right? So here we go. When they said, give us a king to judge us, Samuel considered their demand wrong, so he prayed to the Lord. But the Lord told him, listen to the people and everything they say to you, for they have not rejected you, they have rejected me as their king. They are doing the same thing to you that they have done to me since the day I brought them out of Egypt until this day, abandoning me and worshiping other gods. Listen to them, but solemnly warn them and tell them about the customary rights of kings who will reign over them. Samuel told all the Lord's words to the people who were asking him for a king. He said, "These are the rights of the king who will reign over you. He will take your sons and put them to use in his chariots on his horses on his and or running in front of his chariots. He can appoint them for his use as commanders of thousands or commanders of fifties. They can come Appoint them to plow his ground and reap his harvest, or to make his weapons of war and the equipment for his chariots. He can take your daughters to become perfumers, cooks, and bakers. He can take your, fi- your best fields, vineyards, and olive orchards and give them to his servants. He can take a tenth of your grain and your vineyards and give them to his officials and servants. He can take your male servants, your female servants, your best cattle, your donkeys, and use them for his work. He can take a tenth of your flocks and you yourselves can become his servants." When that day comes, not if that day comes, when that day comes, you will cry out because the king you've chosen for yourselves. But the Lord won't answer you on that day. The people refused to listen to Samuel. No, they said, we must have a king over us. Then we will be like all the other nations. Our king will judge us, go out before us and fight our battles. Samuel listened to all the people's words and then repeated them to the Lord and the Lord told Samuel, listen to them, appoint a king for them. Then Samuel told the men of Israel, each of you, go back to your city. And before I, that's chapter eight. Now, before I continue, I'll just say this. What are they looking for? Uh, we want to be like other nations, right? Meaning we're going to, we want, we want to accept men's ways of doing things instead of God's ways. But what are they looking for? They're looking for safety, Right? It's a function of trust. Oh, then he'll go out and fight our battles for us. Mm-hmm. Chapter nine. There was a prominent man of Benjamin named Kish, son of Abiel, son of Zeror, son of Becheroth, son of Affiah, son of a Benjamite. He had a son named Paul, an impressive young man, and there was no one more impressive among the Israelites than he. He stood a head taller than anyone else. One day the donkeys of Saul's father Kish wandered off. Kish said to his son, Saul, take one of your servants with you and go look for the donkeys. Saul and his servant went through the hill country of Ephraim and then through the region of Shalisha, but they didn't find them. They went through the region of Shalim and nothing. Then they went through the Benjamite region, but still didn't find them. And when they came to the land of Zuf, Saul said to his servant who was with him, Come on, let's go back or my father will stop worrying about the donkeys and start worrying about us. Look, the servant said, there's a man of God in this city who is highly respected and everything he says is sure to come true. Let's go there now. Maybe he'll tell us the way we should go. Suppose we do go, Saul said to his servant. What do we take the man? The food from our packs is gone and there's no gift to take the man of God. What do we have? The servant answered Saul, here. I have a little silver. I'll give it to the man of God, and he will tell us which way we should go. Formerly in Israel, a man who was going to inquire of God would say, Come, let's go to the seer, for the prophet of today was formerly called the seer. Good, Paul," Saul replied to his servant. Come on, let's go. So they went to the city where the man of God was and as they were climbing the hill to the city they found some young women coming out to draw water and asked, is the seer here? The women answered, yes, he is ahead of you. Hurry, he just now entered the city because there's a sacrifice for the people at the high place today. As soon as you enter the city you will find him before he goes to the high place to eat. The people won't eat until he comes because he must bless the sacrifice. After that the guests can eat go up immediately, you can find him now. So they went up toward the city. Saul and his servant were entering the city when Saul, when they saw Samuel coming toward them on his way to the high place. Now the day before Saul's arrival, the Lord had informed Samuel, at this time tomorrow, I will send you a man from the land of Benjamin, anoint him ruler over my people Israel. He will save them from the Philistines, because I have seen the affliction of my people, for their cry has come to me. When Samuel saw Saul, he told the Lord told him, Here is the man I told you about. He will govern my people. Saul approached Samuel in the city gate and asked, Would you please tell me where the seer's house is? I am the seer, Saul answered. Go up ahead of me to the high place and eat with me today. When I send you off in the morning, I'll tell you everything that's in your heart. As for the donkeys that wandered away from you three days ago, don't worry about them because they've been found. And who does all Israel desire but you and all your father's family? Saul responded, Am I not a Benjamite? From the smallest of Israel's tribes isn't my clan the least important of all the clans of the Benjamite tribe? So why have you said something like this to me? Samuel took Saul and his servant, brought them to the banquet hall, and gave them a place at the head of the thirty, or and or so men who had been invited. Then Samuel said to the cook, get the portion of meat that I gave you and told you to set aside. The cook picked up the thigh and what was attached to it and set it before Saul. Then Samuel said, notice that the reserved piece, meaning the reserved piece of meat, is set before you. Eat it because it was saved for you for this solemn event at the time that I said, I've invited the people. So Saul ate with Samuel that day. Afterward, they went down from the high place to the city, and Samuel spoke with Saul on the roof. They got up early, just before dawn, and Samuel called to Saul on the roof. From the roof, get up, and I will send you on your way. Saul got up, and both he and Samuel went outside. As they were going down to the edge of the city, Samuel said to Saul, tell the servants to go on ahead of us, but you stay for a while, and I will reveal the word of God to you. So the servant went on. Samuel took a flask of oil, poured it on Saul's head, kissed him, and said, "'Hasn't the Lord anointed you ruler over his inheritance? "'Today, when you leave me, you'll find two men at Rachel's grave at Zelnah in the territory of Benjamin, "'and they will say to you, The donkeys you went looking for have been found. "'And now your father has stopped being concerned about the donkeys and is worried about you, "'asking, What should I do about my son?' You will proceed from there until you come to the Oak of Tabor. Three men going up to God at Bethel will meet you there, one bringing three goats, one bringing three loaves of bread, and one bringing a clay jar of wine, and they will ask you how you are and give you two loaves of bread, which you will accept from them. After that, you will come to Gibeah of God where the Philistines where there are Philistine garrisons, when you arrive at the city, you will meet a group of prophets coming down from the high pray f- place prophesying. They will be preceded by harps, tambourines, flutes, and lyres, and the Spirit, capital S, the Spirit of the Lord will come on you powerfully there. You will prophesy with them and you will be transformed. And when these signs have happened to you, do whatever your circumstances require because God is with you. Afterward, go ahead of me to Gilgal, and I will come to you to offer burnt offerings and to sacrifice fellowship offerings. Wait seven days until I come to you and show you what to do. And when Saul turned to leave Samuel, God changed his heart and all, meaning changed Saul's heart, and all the signs came about that day. When Saul and his servant arrived at Gibeah, a group of prophets met him, and then the Spirit, capital S, the Spirit of God, came powerfully on him, and he prophesied along with them. Everyone who knew him previously and saw him prophesy with the prophets asked each other, What has happened to the son of Kish? Is Saul also among the prophets? Then a man who was from there asked, And who is their father? As a result, This became a popular saying, Is Saul also among the prophets? Then Saul finished prophesying and went to the high place, and Saul's uncle asked him and his servant, Where did you go? Saul answered to look for the donkeys, and when we saw they weren't there, we went to Samuel. Tell me, Saul's uncle asked, What did Samuel say to you? Saul told him. He assured us the donkeys had been found. However, Saul did not tell him. Sam, him, what Samuel had said about the matter of kingship. My friends, that gets us up through chapter 10, verse 16. And we're going to wrap up today with the briefest of wisdom segments from Psalm 19. I just want you to let this sink in. Uh, Not Psalm, Proverbs 19, (laughs) starting in verse 1. Better a poor person who lives with integrity than someone who has deceitful lips and is a fool. Even zeal is not good without knowledge, and the one who acts hastily sins. A person's foolishness leads him astray, yet his heart rages against the Lord. My friends, that's where I wanted to leave it today. It ties back to Romans chapter 1. Lord God we have all had our foolishness lead us astray and whether we realize it or not Lord that led to our hearts raging against you we thank you Lord for your grace we Lord we thank you for the witness that you have not left us without I pray Lord that each and each each and every person listening right here and now would just put their trust in you not in the nations, not in kings, would just again be renewed in trust in you. I love you, my friends. Amen. Amen.